So we're coming up on, on election season, or sort of, we're creeping up on it. So I, I don't give political advice necessarily, but I have one pitch that I want to make. And it's this, don't vote for an anti-nuclear politician. I think that right now, I think that is just the dumbest political mistake possible yeah. to be anti-nuclear. And it's shocking to me yeah. that there still are politicians out there that are anti-nuclear. Me too. And even Biden and his team have turned the corner on this and are pro-nuclear. So oh, good, good, good. First of all, you know, 2022 Gallup did a poll. 51% of Americans are in favor of building more nuclear. Only 50? And, well, this is this is this is new. 51. Okay. And this is new. It used to be, you know, most the majority was against it. It's 47 is not in favor of building anything new. So the there's, fuck? there's still some work to do, but like the, the majority of Americans are for this. That's like a big, huge takeaway. Okay. Some people, you know, we've talked about this a little bit before, but Marianne Williamson is the one who is the headline of stupidity here, how she rants about being anti-nuclear and how it's unsafe and how, I mean, just like every brain dead take that you could possibly have on this topic, she has it and she's all like moralistic about it and it just bugs the hell out of me. So I want to call out her first. She's a, she's a Democrat running, you know, in 2024 for the Democratic ticket. She has probably the most brain dead takes for out the, there. For the presidential Democratic ticket? Yeah. Uh, newsflash. <laughs> <laughs> it's not open. It's not available. <laughs> well, yeah, for the Democratic, it's gonna be Biden, right? Unless he dies. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But so she has. She's the worst. She's the worst of the worst. And I was kind of like looking up who who also falls in the anti-nuclear camp. Um, Bernie Sanders, unfortunately, has historically what? been anti-nuclear. I think he's turning around a little bit, a, a teeny bit on this. But also, um, let's see, we have from this is from 2020 that people running um, Tulsi Gabbard was against it. Elizabeth Warren oh, was against what? it. Yeah. And and other headline politicians on the Democratic side. Um, I know that the squad has been pretty heavily anti-nuclear. The all the all the um, Green New Deal folks typically ha historically have been anti-nuclear. They're for, you know, wind turbines and, and, and uh, solar panels. Uh, over, I'm, I'm, over I'm fucking baffled by this. Turning to the to the Republican side, I actually couldn't find any big name politicians who are Republicans who are super strongly anti nuclear. No Descramptis. Um, yeah, so I so I looked up DeSantis. He seems to be pretty pro nuclear. Weirdly, for a Republican, he's pretty good on the climate in general, and that's because he's in Florida and he's always yeah. kind of like quietly. <laughs> done things to protect his state, even though he doesn't make sure. a big deal out of it. But yeah. I mean, his state is, is, you know, on the brink of being underwater. So he kind of like inherently has to do something about the climate. Yeah. Right. So mm. DeSantis is kind of okay. I don't think that he's like mega pro nuclear, but you do see articles out there about him being like, yes, he has checked the little box of being pro nuclear energy. Um, Trump and his team was pretty pro nuclear. They didn't do too much, but they were saying that they, back in the day, that they wanted to beat China on this. Um, now, sure. uh, this year, China has announced that they're building like 150 new nuclear reactors. Some, like they're they're going crazy all of a sudden. <laughs> so China is 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 going to raise ahead on this unless we oh, really ramp man, up. Man, dude, that's gonna be fucking hilarious, dude. If they build 150, how many of them are gonna fail? 
like with those cheap fucking shitty Chinese parts, dude. Like the hundred and fifty that. that's so ambitious. Like that's so insanely ambitious that like there's no way that at least two of those don't fucking completely melt down, man. That's hilarious. You might be totally <laughs> right, although I mean at this point it is old technology and it's the sort of thing that sure. like, you could just have one design and you build it 150 times. And I might be slightly off on that number, but they're they're going crazy with nuclear. That's and they, they still have a ton of coal plants too. So it's oh. Hilarious. It's like a, a very good thing. Although, let me just say, a uh, side note, that's fucking awesome because one of the things, one of the big kind of dumbass arguments about climate change, it's not really a dumbass argument, but it's just kind of like one of those kind of facile arguments is like, well, you know, we can do all we can, but China and India and Brazil are still like, you know, burning all of this coal and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, Let's, you know, it seems like China, you know, I've got a million uh, bad takes on China, but mm -hmm. as a country with a billion people, like if they can get off of, if they can get onto any kind of renewable resource, it's going to help everybody a lot. Oh, yeah. And then India yeah. needs to follow as well. Yeah. Pretty please. So getting getting back to uh, American politicians um, I think I did skip over the Democrats who were for nuclear. Biden's team is is ramping up being pro-nuclear, which is great. I think that that's like pretty substantiated yeah. in, in his policy right now. Mm -hmm. He not only just spent over or dedicated over a billion dollars to making sure that some nuclear plants don't close. He mm. also, I think there's money dedicated to, to re-upping a plant that did close, which I think that's mm. about the first time that that's ever happened. Also, mm -hmm. just back from 2020, it's hard to find current stats on this, but from 2020, the people running, um, Michael Bennett was pro-nuclear, so was Booker, Delaney, Hickamooper, Tim Ryan, and Andrew Yang were all on the pro-nuclear side. Can you give me a just a an elevator pitch of why people don't want nuclear? Because I just can't I can't get my fucking head around it. So I mean, back in the day, and this is something that why I think it is so hard for you and me to 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 kind of appreciate because we are we're just too young for this. But but back in the day, in people's minds, it really was connected. There was this connection between the nuclear Chernobyl. bomb and oh. nuclear power plants so oh. that was just always you know on people's minds is like kind of one and the same and that hmm. was that was intentionally <laughs> the case because of <laughs> i think it was like the, the green party or the the green sure. environmentalist movement back in the day really made a push to make that so that that was in people's minds and it worked unfortunately yeah but there also is like just the scare tactics of, of uh, Chernobyl, and it doesn't help when like HBO releases that Fukushima, I guess that show that's that's about that. And yeah, Fukushima, there were the Three Mile Island, there were these disasters, wow. yeah. and also like there, someone was just saying the other day on a podcast I was listening to that back in like the 60s and 70s, there were all these movies, I guess even like Spider-Man or whatever, where uh, oh yeah, of course, nuclear plants melting down, we have to save everyone. Yeah, and so that's yeah. like the, the plot point in the I movie. I do remember that, yeah. Yeah, so nuclear power is just like a scary thing. That's Can I just say, I, I just want to yeah. say, like, just, just quickly to put a pin on the, the, the environmental and, like, the disaster element of this. We are now post, like, trillions of barrels of oil being spilled into the ocean, right? Like, we've dealt with Deepwater Horizon and the uh, and the Exxon Valdez. Like, we've done, like, there's three in the last 10 years 
that have spilled maybe not trillions, but hundreds of thousands of barrels of oil, probably tens of millions of gallons of oil into like pristine, yeah. pristine waterways and ocean and and like like the ecological disaster of oil and fossil fuels has outstripped the like the 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 contamination aspect of nuclear by so much by now i mean it's yeah. just insane when you balance those two against each other fukushima is a little bit different because they were detecting radiation and radioactive um you know remnants all over the pacific for years and i think they still actually there is still detectable levels of radiation it's apparently coming up safe to drink and yeah so it's, it's yeah. apparently like pretty safe I but know also that people was have a lot to say about that but yeah that was an insane design for a nuclear plant like that was an absolute disaster that was an absolute design apocalypse for mm -hmm. for a, for a nuclear plant on multiple levels and so that's something that we can't look at that as an example yeah. of how nuclear plants can fail but i just wanted to say that i mean please continue but like the the ecological damage and even the human damage that's happened with what the three fucking nuclear plants that have melted down over the last 50 years is nothing in comparison to the the damage that's been done by the disasters caused by oil, let alone the safe use of oil. Well, and and coal that and coal, is yeah, in people's lungs, you know. And and if we want electric cars to make any difference at all, they can't be getting their electricity ultimately from a coal plant or right. a gas plant or anything. It has to come from nuclear. It just has, it has to. to. Um, a couple more points here. One is that excitingly, the culture is totally shifting on this. Killer. Really big names are coming out to be pro-nuclear. The Killer. biggest, most recent is uh, Oliver Stone. You know, he just released oh. this documentary and he was just on Joe Rogan this week talking about his documentary that is, it's it's all the, the pro-nuclear talking points. It's, it's oh, all of them. But like, yeah. you know, being all cinematic about it. I haven't seen the film yet. It's going to be on Amazon, I think, in the next couple of weeks. I'll, I'll check it out. Maybe Fantastic. we'll have to do a review of it, but uh, that's a big deal. I mean, that's, you know, that's, that's a honestly a pretty big deal. Also, I mean, you have like the movement led by Michael Schellenberger that is like that guy's all of a sudden become like a household name practically. And part of his old stick is being pro-nuclear, which is great. Mm. I, I want to highlight one more thing here. Mm. Have you heard of Vivek Ramaswamy? Mm-mm. So he is this young guy. He's like kind of like the Republicans answer to Andrew Yang a little bit. He's like Silicon Valley tech money sort of a thing. I don't think Silicon Valley, but tech money guy mm -hmm. who is now running for the Democrat or the Republican ticket. Mm -hmm. And he's pretty Trumpy. He has some pretty horrible views. Mm. Not a huge fan necessarily, but he has some very flamboyant views on uh, on nuclear energy. Let me let me just read this tweet that he hit did me. the other day. Yeah, let me let me hit with this. And hit it's me, Pete. It's a it's a video. There's a little video. Maybe I'll attach it. Okay. He says, the problem with nuclear energy is it's too good. If you solve the, quote, clean energy problem, activists lose their favorite Trojan horse for advancing global equity by penalizing the West. That's what the climate change debate is about. So mm, I lots to unpack there. There's a lot to unpack there, but it's very interesting and it's kind of smart by him. It's gross, but it's kind of smart how yeah. he's making it. So if you're not for this, you are against not only reason, but like you're a bad guy and yeah. the, it, it paints like the environmental movement as like the bad guys, you know? Sure. And that's how like politicians are effective is like making that, that black and white world of the good guys versus the bad guys. Yeah. And, you know, 
I kind of appreciate this in the sense that I do think that a lot of environmentalists are just like so behind the times on this one that yeah. I'm kind of okay if they're painted as the bad guys. Sure. I just kind of hope that this doesn't make it so that if Republicans win, quote unquote, win on this issue, that they are, are able to paint themselves as the good guys versus mm. environmentalists. Because I don't want to write off mm. environmentalists mm. or the environmental movement as a whole mm -hmm. just because they've gotten this one thing wrong. I think that too many Republicans are still tied to big oil on and yeah. on and on. I mean, there's a lot to go go off on there. But uh it's interesting how he's being he's being all like snarky and politician-y about this in a way that uh, it's probably not helpful, but it's very interesting to me. What do you think about that? Uh, you know, it's interesting. I'm going to draw a quick analog and I'm going to try to uh, wrap a bow on it quickly. But I think that there is this possibility for something that is altruistic initially to become kind of a cottage industry where people yeah. are making a living from it. And then yes. that then the aspect of change maybe becomes lost because now there's a bureaucracy built around it. I'm called immediately to the idea of homelessness where... Mm -hmm. I, you know what I'm saying? Where it's like there's this whole movement of people who have this um, probably altruistic intent in certain ways in throughout most of the bureaucratic structure that deals with homelessness in this country. And uh, just a quick fact, there's 7,000 homeless people in San Francisco of, in a city of— Whoa. Of, of many, many millions, right? Like No, oh, like San Francisco has 800-something thousand. There's not even a million people in San Francisco. Really? The metro area of the Bay Area is like 8 million. So that's there's a lot I'm, of folks there. That's kind of what I'm thinking yeah, more of. Yeah, yeah. But the, the proportion of homeless people there, and they just did this, uh, they just... Uh, appropriated like $500 million to solve the homelessness crisis. And I'm like, wait a minute, you're fucking telling me that you, with $500 million, you can't tomorrow make sure that 7,000 people aren't homeless anymore? Mm -hmm. Like, that is such a small amount of people, but I think the problem is, is there's a cottage industry, there's a bureaucracy built around homelessness outreach, there's all these businesses and there's all these nonprofits that receive funding for it to kind of help homeless people limp along into different versions of homelessness or into like just the absolute bare minimum of being ho housed and having mental health services. And I think that there, it's possible for environmentalism to be in the same vein, where yeah. there's all of these kind of subsets and and different uh, bureaucratic nonprofits, and there's this whole structure that's built around the idea of environmentalism, but it's compartmentalized into, well, we, we're environmentalists that care about trees, or we only really care about climate change, or we're really against big oil, and all of those things are taking their own little revenue streams, and together Together, they create this huge kind of monolith, this megalith of all of these environmentalists. And I think that as soon as you start having that mentality around an idea, it, it starts to ossify. And, mm -hmm. and it seems that a lot of the environmentalist movement, probably that was like 60s, 70s, 80s kind of granola hippies, turned their ire towards nuclear energy at some point you know, maybe for vibe reasons or maybe just propaganda, were propagandized by environmentalist, um, you know, environmentalist propaganda that that nuclear was not a viable option. And at the end of the day, 
it's really the most important thing that we can do. We don't have cold fusion yet, guys. You know, we don't have solar energy is we can harvest it, but we still have to keep it in batteries. You know what I mean? Like there's all of these kind of that are very, made in China from coal plant energy that are f- that. made yeah. in China from coal plant energy and contain cobalt that's yeah. being mined by slaves. Mm-hmm. Right. And when with nuclear energy, we're talking about on demand power. We're talking about the same type of power that we get from natural gas, the same type of power that we get from burning coal, where it's a lot of energy on demand. We don't have to store it in a deep cycle in order to access it, right? And so we're still iterating past these really tricky design problems around solar, around geothermal, and around wind energy. And, and tidal energy is something that's actually starting to become more commercially viable now, too. I'm seeing, like, prototypes that are effective to some degree, but there's these big design challenges in getting those things to be commercially viable at scale and also to eliminate slavery and uh, exotic foreign influence from the supply chain on those things. We don't have any of those problems with nuclear. We have mm-hmm. none of those problems with nuclear. The only problem is storage of the of the of the waste right but we have processes now that are able to utilize that that um you know that radioactive waste we're not just storing you know the uh you know the youtube channel huge of true Mm, no uh -uh. might have talked about it once or twice great great channel this Mm -hmm. is uh forget her name cleo abrams something like that but she she does has a youtube channel where she is you know, just takes a futurist type topic or tech tech topic and dives into it. She did a recent one a week or two ago about um, how the nuclear waste, you could use all of the nuclear waste we have right now to power the entire country for something like 80 years. Right. And there are people working on that and like it's viable. Yeah. Like we could do it like today if we yeah. like, had the initiative, stuff mm-hmm. like that. There's like even the, uh, the the nuclear waste thing could be a boon rather than something to be scared of as well. Um, I want to tie a bow on this like really quickly, yeah. which is just to say, you know, back to my headline, <laughs> there's very little that the individual can do on many of these issues. And this is a yeah. big one, but like, just don't vote for politicians who are anti-nuclear. Nice. I, I mean, even if you like somebody, even if you like Marion Williamson, there's a piece of me who likes some of her stuff, you know, I would never vote for her just because of this. I think this is too big of an issue. Don't, don't vote for Marianne Williamson or anybody else who's anti-nuclear. Just, just don't do it. And that's, that's my pitch. And I think that it's a, I think it's a good one. Let me, let me say this too. If you are if you are concerned about the widening wealth gap, if you're concerned about socioeconomic warfare and the, and class warfare, energy independence is freedom from that. That is mm-hmm. one of the only things that that really separates us in terms of the way that we're able to. I mean, just think about if power was free and mm-hmm. power was infinite and free, wealthy people would have so much less leverage over poor people. And in and countries that are third world countries, po- impoverished countries, countries that are just now industrializing would be in a completely different situation overnight if this technology was widely available and safe. And, the, and what it takes to do that is putting it into action iterating it, fa- it dealing with the failures and iterating it until it's totally safe like you have to support it if not you have to support it politically you have to support it ideologically energy independence is freedom and i think you're totally right i think this was an awesome take pete excellent mm-hmm. we'll wrap it up there <laughs>